welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Oh, Barton. We've got our first guest today. How exciting is that? Awesome, man. This is uh, starting out with a bang, right? Like, first guest, we'll take it. Like, I was like, you know, we've got some incredible uh, some incredible minds at 24-7 Sports, like deep insiders who are at practice all the time, like Dennis Dodd, you know, one of the most plugged-in dudes I know. Uh, I, I knew that we were going to be able to bring the people some uh, some high quality guests, but uh, today on the show, as you probably know from looking at the episode title right here, is former Heisman Trophy winner, national champion, Florida Gators quarterback, and current minor league baseball star Tim Tebow. It's pretty sick. Awesome. You know, it's funny like this when 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 you get to adulthood and you're sort of working a job. And you just sort of want to get that competitive fix. You know, a lot of people like they'll just sign up for, uh, you know, co-ed kickball or something. Or, uh, you know, maybe if you're really, you know, if you're serious, you get into that men's league basketball. Tebow just went ahead and just started playing professional baseball. Yeah, come just, on. Just a little minor league baseball just for fun. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll get out there and uh, I'll play some like Raleigh City League basketball. That's about the uh, the peak that I'm going to get right there. And he's already uh, elevating himself. He's hitting a whole lot of home runs. Um, like It's interesting, and uh, I can't wait. We're going to have him on here in a second. Like Tim Tebow, uh, a college football superstar, uh, how many players like come to mind in terms of since Tim Tebow left college football that have really resonated the way that he did among the minds of SEC and college football player, you know, players and fans like this. He was a, a unique star based on the way he played. Obviously they got the two national championships with urban Meyer like this, this kind of transcendent stardom, you know, you, you, I think Deshaun Watson is maybe one that comes to mind, but these are, these players come few and far between. No, I, I'll tell you the only other one to me that's, that's come close to being the phenomenon that, that Tebow was or is, is, is Johnny Manziel to me, Ooh. uh, you know, and, and, and Tebow is, I think can, uh, uh, he can take the title between those two. I think he's he's turned out a little bit. Things have gone a little smoother <laughs> since since the phenomenon for him than they have for Johnny Football. But uh, it's uh, I mean it's it, he's definitely kind of an all timer. Yeah. The and of course you know Johnny Manziel, Tim Tebow, uh, two guys that uh, have uh, their names in the SEC total offensive record books. Uh, statistically, Dak Prescott was there, you know, but definitely not with the cultural impact. Uh, that Tebow had in the way that they rallied around him. Um, you know, what was your uh, what was your lasting memory? Like, what do you have Tim Tebow linked like inked in as? Because I think that sometimes his college greatness has been overshadowed by the fact that he is such a phenomenon now, and really something that happened, in my opinion, when he was with the Denver Broncos. When T, you know, like Tebow time became a thing. Like, what was the one thing from his college career that you think uh, you will always sort of hold as like in your in your museum of college football history? Uh, what stands out from his career to you? Yeah, there, I mean, there's some iconic moments. I mean, the jump pass, the like the you know 
I've got sort of etched in my mind all those like first down symbols and like when he was who, who was he who was he jawing with um, you know the, the defense after he like you know had a big hit. I, I just think as much as anything like the you know he brought a different style than we'd ever seen really before to the quarterback position. And, and those are the type of guys I think that are really intriguing. I mean, Cam Newton was sort of like that. We'd never seen anything like Cam Newton before uh, a big six foot five or whatever he is, four or five, four, four speed guy that could throw it and, and do all those things. Tim Tebow, we'd never seen a quarterback, uh, you know, play with that sort of physicality and, and still be able to be an effective passer in the college game too. And, and, um, and, and I think, you know, his leadership as well, you know, with, with just sort of the way he, he led those Florida teams, I think was as, as representative of, of sort of who he is as anything. So, um, man, I just, you know, he, he's, he's, he's definitely one that I think has got just, uh, uh, like a whole bucket full of just like iconic type of moments in his career what uh do you think and we talked about this a little bit when we were doing the sec east show earlier but uh you know you're out there on the recruiting trail you know you know the way the prospects come up you know the coaching pipelines Uh, if you were to point your finger to one thing why do you think that the florida gators have not been able to not only uh replicate the, I mean, it's very, again, we're talking about one of the most iconic players. You can't replicate Tim Tebow's success, but why do you think the quarterback position has been such uh, a trouble spot for the Gators as a program through multiple head coaches uh, all the way to right, like from John Brantley, like all the way to right now where we're betting on, you know, a guy who, who as I think you even pointed out, you know, couldn't even hold the starting job at Notre Dame as potentially being the answer. Felipe Franks, you've said, could be the guy. Why do you think that there's been so much in between those two moments uh, that have prevented, like what has led to the Florida not being able to get consistent play at the quarterback position? I think it's a, I think it's a mix of things. I think there was a, a period there where they weren't really sure what their identity was. Um, you know, there was a period there where they were just misevaluating guys you know, I mean, this is a team that had Jacoby Brissett and Jeff Driscoll on the same roster and couldn't get anything out of either of them. And and Brissett's an NFL quarterback who had a good career at NC State. Driscoll isn't. Uh, he may be kicking around a practice squad somewhere, but he certainly had a great, you know, they were able to put up numbers with him at Louisiana Tech when he transferred out. Um, you know, and so I think that there's there's sort of a, a wide range of, of people at fault, uh, whether it was, you know, the the hiring of offensive coordinators that couldn't get the job done, whether it was, um, you know, offering Skylar Morningweg instead of Paxton Lynch, uh, you know, late in the process. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, those are the type of mistakes I think Florida's made along the way because ultimately, look, that's still Florida, and they can find quarterbacks. They, they just got to pick the right ones and, and put them in a position to succeed. And, um, you know, really, gosh, uh, I guess Tebow, is, he is really, I guess, the last quarterback that's um, – is he? I mean, who am I missing? I mean, have they really not had a quarterback since Tebow? Uh-uh. I mean, not yeah. not one, like Will Greer already yeah. started like in his the six games that he played, he was already on track to be like one of the most statistically strong quarterbacks since Tim Tebow. Yeah, I mean that that's that, that's really inexcusable, especially when you're letting the. <laughs> Letting a guy that's in the NFL right now playing, uh, letting him go like a guy like Jacoby Brissett. So, um, yeah, I mean, let's let's heap a little bit of blame on Charlie Weiss and and uh, you know, there's a lot of people in between. But uh, it's it's 
it's crazy to, to think that it's been that long. Crazy. Well, all right. Now let's uh, let's bring him on. The most successful quarterback in Florida history. One of the college football's great icons. Uh, and now we're going to jump straight to it. Tim Tebow. And now it is our pleasure to welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast, former Heisman Trophy winner, all-time great in the history of the Florida Gators in college football, a multi-sport athlete who is taking time out of his very busy schedule uh, to come talk with us right now, also a former member of the AFCA Good Works team, Tim Tebow. Tim, how are you managing this time between media days, the college football season coming up? You've got baseball going on. Where's your head at right now, man? Well, I'll tell you what, we just finished the baseball game and it felt like it was 115 degrees outside because that's what happens in the state of Florida sometimes. And it was very humid. So we just were able to get a big win. And so now I'm just relaxing, talking to you guys. And can I just say, that was a very passionate opening. You kind of just crushed it right there. Uh, how much time have you been able to, to dive into to breaking down uh, the, the landscape and the movement among the different teams? And do you, see, uh, do you see one team in particular that you like that you're maybe that you think is flying below the radar right now in the SEC? Well, I'll tell you this. I'm able to watch a lot of college football. I love it. I you know watch every spring game. Shoot, I, I get a lot of cut-ups from coaches, and I watch that. It's just It's been part of my life since I was four years old, and I just love it. It's just so much fun. But I'll tell you, one of the teams uh, this year in the SEC um, that can, has a chance to get things going is, is Auburn. You know, I think with such a tough SEC West with – you know, LSU returning a lot of great players and maybe the best running back in the country in Darius Geis and Alabama being Alabama for another year. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be tough, but with the Auburn's backfield with a, you know, a pretty veteran defense and a new quarterback that, you know, given a shot might be very, very good player. It's going to be an interesting season. Tim, this is Barton and, and I'll address here the elephant in the room uh, I got to let you know that my wife's mother begrudgingly let me marry her because she was convinced that someday she was going to marry Tim Tebow. So if there's a little <laughs> bit of underlying tension here, like I just got to say, like, that's where it comes from. Um, so, you know, I, I, you know, I'd appreciate it if you just stay away from my wife or at least away from her mother. Um, but I do want to, I do want to get into another SEC West team with you. Uh, you played for Dan Mullen. He's, yeah. you know, uh, I mean, uh, arguably the second best coach in the SEC right now. Um, and he's done an awesome job developing quarterbacks everywhere he's gone. So like the most, you know, one of the names is really a hot name right now is Nick Fitzgerald. And I'm just curious if you can kind of pinpoint for us, like what makes, Dan Mullen's such a great quarterback, either evaluator or developer or or what, and, and kind of what Nick Fitzgerald is experiencing right now as, as he sort of plays and, and learns from, from Dan Mullen. Really, really good question. Um, well, I think, first of all, he has a really good eye for talent of ways that he could use you in, in his offense. And then once he gets you, he'll continue to try to evaluate you and put you in very tense pressure pack situations to see what you do best in those situations. And I mean, in the weight room, on the practice field, on the board, everything. And so he sees what you can handle well, what you can't handle well, where you're very comfortable 
and where you need some work. And then once he knows that, he does a really good job of formulating a game plan for you to play to your strengths. And I, I remember last year in our preview show uh, for SEC Nation, um, you know, I was saying, guys, just be careful for, you know, for Nick Fitzgerald because whoever starts for, for, for Dan Mullen is going to bring something to the table. But this kid has a very unique skill set. And it took him a little while to get going, but you could see uh, in certain games when it flashed, it was scary. And his ability to um, not just run downhill to get four or five yards, but his ability to be a breakaway runner totally changes the game for them. And now with his ability, with his maturity as a, as a passer, I think it's going to be an extra dimension that's going to make them very, very difficult to stop. Is he an NFL quarterback, you think? Is he, a, is he like a high-round draft pick type of guy? Well, I think this year will be um, – well, obviously we have to see and evaluate how, how much he matures. Um, but I think um, with being able to learn from Dan Mullen and be in the system and, um, you know, be able to um, – he's going to have a lot on his plate. Let's just be honest. Coach Mullen does a great job of game planning teams, but he also asked his quarterback to understand um, exactly what play to get, get in and what the defense is doing. So, you know, he's, he's going to be um, well-tutored as far as mentally. And if he can progress as a passer with his skill set, I think he's someone that you give a chance on um, because I think that his upside is a very high upside and it's going to be his ceilings a lot higher than most people. And so he'd be someone, if he continues to mature, he'd be someone I'll give a shot to, absolutely. Well, uh, Tim, your former team, the Florida Gators, uh, they've got one uh, option at quarterback uh, in Felipe Franks, who's been there, who's certainly currently developing and has a lot of good football ahead of him. But this spring, all eyes are also going to be on Malik Zaire and his opportunity uh, to really take what was some proven talent as a prospect, as a dual threat player coming out of high school, and try to to have a positive spin after things didn't work out at Notre Dame. Uh, How do you see the the Florida quarterback room shaping up and how you know where do you see the Gators offense going in 2017 well I think it's going to come down to how it goes in fall camp in the competition I think competition is great um and I I do think Felipe Franks has a very bright future um but I think you have to lean a little bit towards Malik um if he's able to complete uh to compete well and show his stuff in spring ball this is a player that I've been around. I know him quite a bit, uh, pretty well. Um, he's, he's pretty talented. But where he can change the game is with his athleticism, with his legs. And if you go back a couple years ago to the way that he played in the bowl game against LSU, and that was a really good LSU defense, you could see the potential that this kid has. And, um, you know, Coach Mack is a very good coach, especially at coaching quarterbacks. And, and he's going to do a little bit of what Dan uh, Mullen does and, and, and play to his quarterback strength. And I think that could give Malik an opportunity to have a special season. Do you think the Gators are going to be able to make it three SEC East championships in a row? I'll tell you what, um, the Florida-Georgia game is going to play into that a lot. I think with, with Georgia bringing back two big running backs, uh, with bringing back Easton at quarterback, who's developing and has a chance to be really good, uh, that game is going to be a huge game. And why shouldn't it? Because that's one of the best rivalries in sports. So that'll be a fun one to watch. 
Well, I was just going to, you know, uh, we talked about a couple quarterbacks here, and, and I'm sort of in a quarterback mindset. We just released a bunch of stories on 24-7 Sports today about quarterbacks, and, and I, I'm curious because it's such a good young league right now at the quarterback position with guys like Shea Patterson and Jalen Hurts and um, Jacob Eason and, and, you know, Nick Fitzgerald and all these guys. And I, I'm just curious, with, with all these talented players in the league right now at the quarterback position, is there a guy among them that, that you're – sort of the most excited about that you think hey even maybe if it's not even this year but next two or three years maybe in the nfl long term is the guy that you're you'll put your stamp on and you think is that's the dude in this conference at the quarterback position you know what i think it's really hard to put your stamp on somebody right now because like you just said there's so there's so many of them are young with great potential so the question is not do they have what it takes uh, as an athlete, it's do they have what it takes mentally to handle the pressure, the grind, um, the injuries, everything that goes along with an SEC season. And you look at all of these quarterbacks, and I love that they're all so different. you got Shea Patterson, who's Johnny Manziel-esque. You have Jacob Eason, who absolutely has a cannon and can make any throw on the field. you you got two quarterbacks at Alabama that I think both of them are going to be uh, really good players. Jalen Hurts is going to be able to obviously, you know, start through the season with that job and and let his team to the national championship game as a great quarterback. But he's also got a guy behind them talking to some of their coaches that has a chance to be one of the best throwers that has ever been at that university. And so there's a lot of great quarterbacks coming into the season. Um, but the one that I'm very interested in to see is Nick Fitzgerald. If he's able to um, come have a completion percentage probably over 64% and hit some downfield passes with his ability to run. Now, I'm not talking necessarily the next level in the NFL, but what he's able to do would give him a chance to possibly be the SEC player of the year. Ooh, well, Tim, uh, taking things uh, off the field just for a second, uh, you were a member of the AFCA Good Works team, and you're here to us with the 2017 All-State AFCA Good Works team. 146 different nominees right now, uh, just sort of on community service in general. I know that it's always been a huge part of your life and a, one of your passions, but what do you think uh, community service, what kind of role does that play in the development of a college football player, and like, why do you think it's, it's such an important part of the everyday life as football continues to dominate more and more of young people's worlds when you want to compete at the highest level uh, what value is there in taking some time out to make sure you focus off the field as well well i think it's huge because what we really want in our student athletes is perspective we want them to compete and be their best on the field and try to win championships and win every game they can. But we also want to develop them as a person. And a lot of that comes from priorities of understanding that the impact you can make from the platform you've been given as an athlete, the lives that you can change, the people that you can encourage, the smiles that you can put on kids' faces, it's huge. And that's more important than any game, any championship, any trophy you will ever get. And that's why you know I'm, I'm so proud to be part of the – the good work team, but also so proud to be able to talk about these young people that get it. They understand their platform and how they continue to fight for people um, and love people and help people. And all 446 nominees have made such an impact in their community. And honestly, not just their community, but around the world and mission trips all over and, and, you know, taking care of orphans to working in, in prisons and hospitals. And it's just, 
uh, you know, one of the guys, a linebacker, Shaq Jones from UAB, he stayed at UAB through everything that they'd gone through, and now this year he's going to be a captain leading their team onto the field while he's been helping orphans and foster kids find homes and get jobs. And it's like, guys, what are we talking about? This is better than any game that's going to be played this fall. And that's one reason why it's just it's, I get so passionate about talking about these young people that are doing so much more than just playing a game. Tim, do you have any? Do you have your playoff picks set yet? You got your four teams. Like I know that at some Ooh. point you're going to be asked to fill out the mock bracket because they ask us experts to fill them out from August until December when they finally announce. Uh, do you have uh, four teams that you're looking at that you would fill out in your mock bracket? Well, you guys are the experts. I'm just a I'm just a little baseball you're player. Baseball right player. Now, so <laughs> y'all got y'all y'all have all the information. Tim, how's the, how's the road, man? How's uh, tell me the difference between a baseball clubhouse and a football locker room? What is there a difference in the culture? Um, yeah, there's a little bit of a difference. Um, it's it's obviously smaller, and uh, you spend a lot more time on a bus. Um, but it's <laughs> it's really fun, and it's honestly it's unique because you get to learn about so many different cultures. About my teammates from the DR to Venezuela to Cuba, and so it's just fun being able to learn about cultures and and the background i think that's one of the biggest differences that i really enjoyed all right tim thanks so much man we appreciate the time absolutely guys you are a lot of fun to talk to thanks for having me for sure thanks tim see you well that was cool i mean that was that was a that was our first guest and it was a it was a heisman trophy winner it's not bad right Pretty good, man. Pretty good. He's, he's, you know, it was interesting to hear him talk about Nick Fitzgerald. Um, and, you know, it's funny. I, I actually just today was on the phone with a, a quarterback coach to work with Fitzgerald some this summer who thought he's, he was like, he, he's a first round talent. Like he's a first round NFL talent. And I, I don't think Tebow was, was really looking to, to project to the NFL as much as he was just you know, commenting on the kid as a player, but it sounds like he's just as bullish on the kid, like as an upside prospect this year in the, in the SEC. We got, uh, let's see, he get, it looks, it looks like he's given the edge to Malik Zaire in the, uh, the quarterback battle with much respect to Felipe Franks. Uh, a lot of good things to say about Nick Fitzgerald says SEC East is coming down to Florida, Georgia. Uh, no national title picks though. You know, I was I thought that he was going to be ready to go, and he just turned it right around on. As an interviewer, you're not always prepared for that one. Well, you know, and he probably he knows if he picks four teams, then that's going to be out there. It's going to be viral, and the kid, you know, he's he's in the middle of, of prepping for the next uh, single A pitcher he's got to face, and you know, he's probably isn't quite there yet to to be ready to stand on the table for anybody. So I can respect him. Not ready to put his his head out there to get chopped off just yet, um, but uh, you know certainly he's 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 going to have to answer that question eventually. You know, one name that he uh, only mentioned once, but I, I was very interested to, uh, t- and I want to like lead this into our next statement. Jalen Hurts was didn't get a lot of uh, you know that might have been on us, but you know Jalen Hurts as the SEC Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, you know, we talk about all the quarterbacks that are really anchoring what's going to be a good young quarterback class, as you mentioned in the interview. Like, does it feel in some ways like right now Hurts is almost flying below the radar? Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, I think in, it, people 
kind of take Hurts for granted in some ways. I think it's because, in part, like his, his supporting cast is so good. And while I think Hurts is the real deal, you also could probably substitute a lot of quarterbacks in the SEC into Alabama's offense, and they, they, you know, they'll be still one of the best in the country. Um, and, and so I think it is a little bit interesting that I think because of, in part, all that talent around him, he's not really getting mentioned quite as much. But, uh, you know, I still think he's, he's the real deal. I, I also thought, you know, he alluded to – he didn't mention it by name, I don't think, but he alluded to, to Jake Fromm behind Jacob Eason at Georgia and saying that the, the coaches there think he's, you know, one of the best throwers that's, that, you know, they've, they've, ever, they've ever had. Um, that's interesting because, you know, not, not that I think Jacob Eason is going to do anything to get the posse after him this fall, but – it's still interesting to to know that they've got that kind of confidence in, in Fromm, and he looked that good in the spring game, but they have that kind of confidence in Fromm to to talk him up, even even off the record to people like that. Why are people selling Jason Jacob Eason's stock? Yeah, that that's it. Really, is fascinating. You know, throughout the year, as he was playing, and I'm I'm guilty of it too, in part. I, I but throughout the years he was playing, I, I thought that he was looking like you know we expected a five-star to look as a true freshman so he probably shouldn't be overlooked as much as he is because he was playing behind a bad offensive line no receivers playing with a bunch of receivers that was sort of you know just no one proven in that group so yeah I mean I'm I I think if, if this was a typical year in the SEC at quarterback which by typical I mean like over the last five or so he probably would be a lot more more hyped right now than he is but you just had a a few more flashy performances late in the year from the Nick Fitzgeralds and Shea Patterson's and Jake Bentley's of the world so I think that's that's you know blocking his shine a little bit one thing that always fascinates me um about the individual awards is the way that like we it almost is a political race is sort of the way that I've sometimes analyzed it because you need to peak at the right time. You need, I mean, the Heisman elect, I do not have a Heisman vote. I think the Heisman electorate is fascinating. I think that it's not always necessarily um, the most, uh, it, it seems like it is a process that has become a sideshow of college football in and of itself, but people love uh, the Heisman Trophy, and it is is still something that that draws a whole lot of attention, and it's an interesting way to talk about some of the biggest playmakers in college football. Uh, the Heisman odds right now, like you got Sam Darnold at the top, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, and JT Barrett, and I will venture to say, Barton, that being at the top of the Heisman odds board in July might be the worst thing you could do because when I'm trying to think about who might be holding up that stiff arm trophy at the end of the season, you know, like Lamar Jackson, it's almost always somebody who is not favored early. Uh, where do you like? Do you think that any one of those four players—Darnold, Lamar, uh, Baker Mayfield, or JT Barrett—are going to have a chance to go out there and win that trophy? Uh, and if not, like, who are some other names that come to mind when you're starting to kick around names for the Heisman? I absolutely think that those guys, at least a couple of those guys, can win it. The one I would I would take out. I think JT Barrett has a great chance to be invited to New York uh, because he's going to be the quarterback on maybe the best team in the country. But man, I've got a really hard time envisioning him winning the Heisman 
over some of those other guys. I actually jotted down sort of a list. I think I got like eight guys that I think realistically could win the Heisman. Um, it's t- to me the list is Saquon Barkley, Darius Geis, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts, Mason Rudolph, Lamar Jackson, and DeAndre Francois. Do you think Lamar and- can repeat? Why not? I mean, he was how good was he last year? It was it was an easy win for him last year. He, if he gets better, I mean, I I I think I would be a little bit. I mean, I don't expect him to repeat. I, I would I would pick the field certainly against him, but I don't know how you don't put him on that list, given what he did last year. Given that he's you know you would think he's going to be improved. He loses some receivers, but um, I, I still think he's going to be a guy. And then the one other name too, I would put on there as like. An ultimate dark horse, but just a guy that it's so good that I, I think he's he could just sneak into the ballots late in the year if he if he plays the way he, you know I feel like he can. Derwin James, like there's always mm. one de- defensive guy who who sniffs around at it and and is you know people want to vote for if they'll just give him a reason to. And and I think Derwin James is that defensive guy this year. Even as good as that, like as many good defensive players as there are in this college football year. Derwin James to me is is I've said it before I think he's the best football player in the country I I think that Derwin James is in that like uh invited but right. it, it's going to be hard to see him winning and you know it, honestly for in, for my money if he's healthy he'll probably be in the mix uh one name that was not mentioned right there I thought it was interesting no, nothing for uh, for Josh Rosen, nothing for DeAndre yeah. Francois. Uh, two opposite ends of the spectrum because Rosen at UCLA is not playing for a national championship contender. DeAndre Francois is playing for a national championship contender. Uh, what do you think is go- like? Is Rosen's Heisman play basically that he just has a ridiculous statistical year? Well, I did. I, I know I sped through that list, but I did have Francois on there. I think he's definitely got a shot. But but with Rosen, yeah, I, I think. I mean, look, if he if if he can turn UCLA into a ten win team after a four and eight season, then hey, maybe he will get into into New York. But I I don't know what it is about Rosen that that gives me pause. I think there's some like he is such I mean he's a beautiful passer like he can throw the ball as pretty as anybody in the country and he's so talented but other than a you know some flashes as a freshman and I mean certainly he was good last year or as a a sophomore but I I don't know that I don't know what it is what is he missing I don't know why I can't get behind him as like a real Heisman Trophy candidate I do have him though jotted down like potentially like invited to New York as a guy I can't see winning it but I could see him on the stage. I th- I I think Darius Geis has the best chance of the running backs. Um, and look, Saquon Barkley might be one of the best offensive players, like in all of college football. But man, he was he was so good last season that I like is Penn State's offense. And we're going to preview the Big Ten next week. But is Penn State's offense like going to have enough touches for him? For, for him to be able to to put up the kind of numbers in the Big Ten when everyone's prepared for him because he has been an unbelievable threat 
for Penn State ever since he set foot on campus. I mean, I remember like it was the third game of the season his freshman year when he took off from like the six-yard line, like jump man, jump man, jump man, Saquon up for something, like just leaping into the end zone. And, you know, this is where I've, I've got JT Barrett in this category. I've got Lamar Jackson in this category. I've got Baker Mayfield in this category. I just think that not only are you fighting your own reputation with the Heisman voters where there might be uh, like some – some uh you know like they get they get antsy you know they want to like jump on something new this is where i i don't think oklahoma state's winning the national championship but i think mason rudolph if he throws for a billion yards would have a better case uh than maybe a his bedlam rival and good friend baker mayfield like is penn state's offense going to be able to highlight saquon barkley so that he could have a heisman type season well how about this so in in penn state's 12 regular season games, Saquon Barkley only topped 100 yards rushing in four of them, which is sort of crazy. Like, you would never think that. But, and part of it is that it takes nothing away from how good of a player he is or how impactful he was on the game. But it's still, I think, interesting to note and and maybe a little bit tough to mount a Heisman argument for him because of that, because they are going to throw the ball downfield so much. Trace McSorley is going to be such an integral part of that offense as the quarterback and trigger man. They got big receivers on the outside. I do think they're going to spread it out a lot. And unlike Darius Geis, I think, you know, Barkley's not going to be, he's the focal point of that offense, but he's not the only option. And, and Geis is the guy that's going to get that workload. So I actually had Trace McSorley penciled in as a guy that I think could potentially get invited to New York too, as just because he's the, He's going to be the point man. He'll be the point guard that, that distributes and, and gets everybody else in position to make plays. So I could see him in there. And then, you know what? Like Another guy that could absolutely win it and get in there if if he has the sort of year we're, we've been talking about. I mean, we talked to Tebow about it just now, Nick Fitzgerald. I mean, oh, if, man. Yeah. What if Mississippi State goes 9-3 and three or 10-2 and two in the regular season? Something crazy. I mean, you, the Nick Fitzgerald's a lock to get in. Oh, because uh, you would only need like 10 wins and then knock off Alabama. Because that's the Manziel Heisman year, right? 10 yeah. wins and knock off Alabama? Yeah. I mean, he's, it's, it's not like you want to have the opportunity or the, the big games. And I mean, he's, he's getting all kinds of hype right now. And if he starts to sniff that hype and if Mississippi State starts to play like I'm sort of saying that I think they could, look, he's going to be definitely in the conversation. Nick Fitzgerald, the superstar of this uh, this edition of the 24-7 Sports <laughs> College Football Podcast. Barton, you're the man. Uh, thanks to you. Thanks to Tim Tebow. Uh, make sure that you subscribe to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast so that you can get all the episodes first. We'll be back next week uh, with even more conference previews. We'll get more guests in here. And the way that you are going to be able to get it all is by being a subscriber. So go on to iTunes. Hit it on your mobile device, and then we will slide up in that uh, up in that mobile device with the new stuff every single time we got it. Barton, man, have a good weekend. All right, brother. We'll talk to you.